Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's good to see your smiling faces. Hallelujah. I've never seen a pulpit like this in my whole life. Praise the Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles, John this morning. John. Hallelujah. I want to say as well, happy Mother's Day, first of all, to my wife, (laughs) and then to the rest of you who are here. I hope that you have a great day, and the Lord bless you in your mothering of your fine children, raising children to serve God. Hallelujah. Amen. I send greetings from South Africa as well. Uh, Like your pastor, assistant pastor said this morning, uh, I've been in South Africa for nine years. We pioneered our first church uh, in George, South Africa. We were there for five years. We just turned that over to uh, four years ago to Randall and Prudence von Staden. They were just here with us at the conference in Tempe. Just had a great conference in Tempe. Uh, him and his wife were here. Uh, and uh, just uh, then we went into Cape Town. We've now been there for four years. Uh, we are very close to Brad and Cindy. They're about uh, 20 minutes, or their church is about 20 minutes from us. Uh, and uh, have preached there a number of times. And he's doing very, very well. So we send greetings from the, uh, from the Campbells to you. Hallelujah. John chapter 12, if you have your Bibles And if you are taking notes this morning, I want you to entitle this sermon, Jesus Honors a Donkey. Jesus Honors a Donkey. I'm going to look at it, just one uh, simple portion of Scripture, and then we're going to get into what I'm trying to communicate this morning. Amen. John chapter 12, verse number 14. When Jesus, (laughs) then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Who here this morning has a King James Bible? Did you notice that there's a different word that's used there? I promised I wouldn't use that word in this congregation, but uh, if you want to retitle your sermon, you could put down, Jesus honors a blank. Okay. And because I want to make a point to you that Jesus... Uh, took the most lowly of all the beasts in the world, and he used it at his entry into his destiny and into his, uh, uh, his, his purpose in this world. He was coming into Jerusalem soon to be crucified, and he takes the very lowliest of the lowliest uh, and uses that to uh, ride into his triumph. Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat thereon as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold... Your king comes sitting on a donkey's colt. First of all, there is nothing dignified about a donkey. Can everyone say amen? It doesn't matter which way you look at a donkey. It's just downright ugly. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter. You can take a picture from the side. It's got a slope back. Take a picture from the front. It's got this big fat nose. Can you say amen? There is nothing dignified about a donkey. You look at it from the back and it's even worse. Can you say amen? Uh, it, it doesn't. It smells. It's not a horse. Amen. Horses are beautiful. Uh, and, and in those days they had horses. They had Roman horses. And yet Jesus doesn't say, go and find me a glorious white uh, a stallion, Arabian stallion. He says, get a donkey for me. And if you know the story, uh, he, he asked one of his disciples to get this donkey for him. And he says, and if he asked you why, tell him the Lord have need of him. Can everybody say amen? 
Okay. So I want to tell you this morning that the Lord had need of you. Amen. And some of you say, well, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you do this to us? You, you, you've just come here to visit with us, and you're calling us a donkey. Think about this. There's no way that this thing doesn't have a presence. It is not a horse. It is awkward. It is stupid. It is stubborn. Uh, and in the world, it has become a curse word. Okay? You notice that, that this very animal has become a curse word, and yet Jesus uses that very thing uh, into, as he comes in Jerusalem. One of the oddest things about Jesus' life was his ability to baffle those around him. Amen. And, and do things that just threw them off. It just, it just didn't make any sense. Here's the son of the living God uh, using a donkey. And this is one of the most powerful things about Jesus, is he's able to take something that is undignified and dignify it and give it purpose. Can you say amen? Whoever heard of a king riding on a donkey? But to the Jew, this was not that strange of a story because much of the heroes that they had in those days were men of peace, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The three patriarchs were friends of God, and they were peace-loving men. Isaac and Jacob never went to war. Abraham only went once, uh, and he re- when he did go to war, he refused the spoils of those war because there is something supposed to be different about Christians than the world. Can you say amen? When kings went to war in those days, when, if they won, then they would keep the spoils for themselves. And, uh, and yet you see the patriarchs, these are humble men. They have a, an understanding about themselves that God is God and they are not God. It's a great revelation for all of us. Uh, and these, so, so when Jesus comes riding on a donkey's colt, it kind of fit into their culture. They understood that that, that which is great many times uh, is, is a servant of all. And this is what one of Jesus' uh, favorite things to say was he said that if you want to be great amongst them, to become the lowest is the key to becoming great. And this is one of the messages that he sends through using this donkey at this time in his life. The Jew's ideal man was a man of peace. The Messiah would not ride a prideful Roman horse, but would use the lowly, and I believe he did that for a purpose. How many people believe that every word in the Bible is there for a reason? Every single word, every single story, everything is laid out for a message for you and I. And one of the messages that I get out of this portion of Scripture is that God is able to take that which is undignified and dignify it. In those days, it was called the beast of burden. Uh, it was a curse word, even in those days. And yet God was able to take that and, and glorify uh, himself through that. A pastor once told me, uh, as we were speaking one time, he said, You know, pa- uh, Brother Joe, I can't stand the sound of my own voice. How many people know that's a big problem when you're a preacher? <laughs> Every once in a while I'll be preaching someplace and they'll play the tape before I leave the service. I go, oh, turn that off, please. Because, you know, just to hear yourself as you're preaching, uh, there's something about it that really is a bothersome thing. Uh, And this man said, you know, uh, I I can't stand the sound of my own voice. But guess what? It's the only one that he has. So he says, it's not dignified. It doesn't sound right. I don't sound correctly. But you have to understand that no matter what you sound like, God still wants to use you. And he has a purpose uh, in your life. I think this donkey may have heard them saying, you know, there was a donkey who could speak. I don't know if you know about that donkey. But this donkey here, maybe he could understand, hear and understand. Maybe he heard them uh, when they said, the Lord had need of him. And maybe he was able to think, you know what, uh, let me vow. Because, you know, if you've ever dealt with a donkey, they're very stubborn, they're very stupid. And to get them to do anything is very, very difficult without a switch. Amen. He doesn't buck, he doesn't kick, but he submits to the will of God. Why? Because the Lord had need of him. Let me tell you this morning, the Lord had need of you as well. There are many people that are sitting here this morning that you are very shy. And some of you are painfully shy. And you're really the people that I'm shooting for this morning because normally you have the one talented person, the two talented person, and the five talented person. But normally the five talented people have no problem serving God. 
Okay? They're going to use their gift. They're, they're, they're outgoing. They have an incredible personality. And everybody loves them. And so there's no problem with the five-talented uh, person. Normally, the two-talent person, he'll find a place in the church. But sometimes, it's the person with the one talent that struggles the most. Can you say amen? And they struggle to find the will and purpose of God for their lives. Uh, and they don't understand that God has a need of everybody in the kingdom of God. Whatever Jesus touches, he dignifies. No matter how it's rejected and how hurt this donkey may have felt, it played its part in God's plan for that time. Years of rejection, years of being used as a curse word, and so this donkey obeyed. No matter how ordinary, no matter how ill-educated, no matter how disfigured a person may be, Jesus has a use for them and gives dignity to the person for that service. I want to talk to you first about that God uses ordinary people. Look at the disciples themselves for a moment. You'll notice that there were so few of them. There was only 12 of them. But so far as we know, uh, there were no royals amongst them. We know that there was no uh, geniuses amongst them because Peter is living proof of that. Hallelujah. Uh, This man couldn't find his uh, feet if he tried. Amen. He's constantly sticking his foot in his mouth. Uh, uh, Out of all the disciples that we have, there are no geniuses, no highly educated people because God uses ordinary people. There were educated people in those days. But notice Jesus didn't go to the schools and said, uh, you're the best, you know, a little bit like Harvard University does. They come in and say, we want this one. This one's got an A-plus average. This one's got an A-average. We want you. Jesus almost went to the bottom of the class, found the most uneducated, the most, unord- you know, the most ordinary people he could possibly find, and began to use them for the glory of God. First point I want to make to you this morning is this, that he uses ordinary people. Amen. We only know the occupation of five of them, four fishermen and one taxman. Now, in, in South Africa, where I live, the fishermen are not the wealthiest people around. In fact, in any culture that you go to, whether you go to the Philippine Islands, you go to India, these people, they spend hours and hours and hours. They spend almost their whole life on, uh, outside on that boat inside. Uh, and, and, you know, these are not well-paid people. These are not highly educated people. Basically, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, uh, one of the simplest jobs you can get. It's pulling up a net. It's throwing out a line. Uh, it's, this is not an important job in most cultures in the world. And yet, Jesus, four of the disciples were fishermen, and one of them was a taxman who was considered a greedy moneylender in those days. But these five and seven others, they changed the whole known world as we know it today. Jesus will use and develop any person willing to change their ways and their will and not be stubborn like a donkey. He is displeased when we use our faults to shrink from his call. And many say, well, I'm not smart, I'm not a saint, I can't do this, I can't do that. But because many times we are bucking, and that is bucking, you are being stubborn. You are not listening to what God has to say. And he's saying, I can use you, I can use you. That's been the message from this pulpit, I can guarantee you, since the very beginning when we were down at Washington Street. How many people remember Washington Street? I remember we had guards over the cars back on Washington Street. How many people remember that? A long, long time ago, uh, when I was uh, a disciple, we used to come over here from men's discipleships. Those lots and lots of years have passed, but that message has never changed. God can use you no matter who you are, no matter how ordinary you are. He has a purpose for your life. Can everyone say amen with me tonight? Praise the Lord. Talk to you secondly this morning that he uses people who are uneducated. Jesus will use and develop any person, no matter how educated or uneducated. I still today don't know if I learn more from life or from school. But I can tell you this, 80% of all the self-made millionaires in the world 80% of all the self-made millionaires, I'm not talking about people who inherited money, but self-made millionaires, 80% of those people never graduated high school. And all the teenagers said, hallelujah. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, pastor. I've been waiting for somebody to say that for years. Mom, did you hear that? Hallelujah. Dad, did you hear that? But the reality is that God can use somebody 
No matter what, can you say amen? And I, what, my point to you is 80% of all self-made millionaires never graduated high school. And I'll tell you this. I travel all over southern Africa preaching the gospel. And I'll tell you this. About 80% of what God is doing in the world today, he is doing through people who didn't go to Bible school. Can you say amen? Okay. I, I, listen to me. Okay. God uses uneducated people all the time, every day, all day long. And most of the work that's being done in southern Africa, I preach in many of the capitals. And we know the pastor there. And that pastor knows who's ministering there. And most of those people are not educated people. Can everyone say amen? Okay. I want to give this, bring this across to you this morning. Because there are many of you, because of your shyness, you're holding back from what God wants to do in your life. And you're saying, I don't have a talent. I don't have a gift. But you know that you're full of nonsense. How many, how many people know? You know you're full of nonsense. You're telling stories. We have a, a saying in South Africa that says, you're, yeah, if somebody's lying to you, we say, oh, you're, you're full of stories. Hallelujah. And there's a lot of Christians that are full of stories. They can tell you why they can't, how they can't, why, you know, why they're uneducated, why they can't do this, uh, why they're not educated, all these different things. But God's not interested in your excuses. Okay. Jesus is able to take that which is undignified and dignify it and use it for God's glory. Amen. There's a scripture in Acts chapter 9, verse 9 that says, Reasoning daily in the schools of Tyrannus. Amen. Many people today, as they were reasoning, this is Paul uh, in the book of Acts, and he's reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. That's what they were doing. Schools are for outreaches. They're not to go to. Can you say amen? Okay. Notice that Jesus didn't send his, uh, I'm speaking about Bible schools and these type of things, finish high school. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Go to college if you need to, if that's what you need to do. But I just want to say to you that God uses the uneducated every day, all day long. So if you think you need an education, you've got another thing coming. Jesus uh, used many never given the opportunity of a good education. How many people here know who John Bunyan is? John Bunyan. I'm not talking about Paul Bunyan. Come on now. Hello, somebody. Okay, Paul Bunyan. Not, uh, no, John Bunyan, not Paul Bunyan. Paul Bunyan wrote a book, and that book uh, was called, anybody? Pilgrim's Progress. You ought to read that book. It's a very good book. And it's a very old book. And it was written by a man who was in prison for doing what? Preaching the gospel. So can anybody tell me what the number one selling book in the world is? The Bible. So the number one selling book is written by a bunch of preachers who were thrown in prison. The number two selling book in the entire world, written by another Christian thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. Can anybody say amen? You see, God's able to use the uneducated. And God's able to use this mind and give it wisdom that it did not have. It didn't learn it from the schools of Tyrannus. It didn't learn it from the schools. And, yes, and yet they were intelligent. William Carey, before he went over to India, and any Indian today that's saved can thank William Carey for their salvation. William Carey uh, worked uh, as a shoemaker. As many of you know, you've read the stories about William Carey. But he's an uneducated man. All he could do was really work with leather. And yet all of the nation of India today is saved, or the portion that is saved, is saved because of his ministry. John Bunyan was a tinker. He worked with, with metal when he was uh, a young man. Amen. There was a man named William Booth. Uh, he worked in a, in a pawn shop uh, of his day where they brought things in. And William Booth is a man who started Salvation Army. And I want to tell you something. The Salvation Army didn't start by selling clothes. Can you say amen? How clear does a leader have to make it? He's about to die and he decides. Before they were called the Christian Mission. And so before he dies, he decides, hmm, let me think about this. If, if I name it this, then maybe they won't get off track. Hallelujah. Let's, what are the two most powerful words I can think of? Salvation army. How clear do you have to make it? Hallelujah. And yet, what are they doing today? You know, they didn't come off the boats you know, with clothes on their back. We want to start a uh, used clothing store. Hallelujah. Salvation army, friend. 
I mean, that's, that's what he called himself, the ministry that he was involved in, because he wanted them to stay on track. But this man was a common man. He worked as a pawnbroker assistant in a shop. You don't know what God could do with your life. Some of the most powerful men of God I know have never been educated by the schools of this world. The second greatest book in the world, The Nation of India's Salvation and the Salvation Army, all started by uneducated men. You know, God also uses the disfigured. The disfigured. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10 says, We are fools for Christ's sake. There's a man named Henry Martin who wrote many books, uh, and he was a quite often, he was preaching around. But the funny thing about Walter Martin, or uh, 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 Henry Martin, was he, was he had warts from the top of his head all the way down to his neck. And he was also, when he would start to preach, these, his face would begin to bleed. And if he was preaching, people would be getting blood all over the, the front. This is kind of the spit row down here. And, and, and he would throw back and forth. He'd be preaching, you know, crazy. And blood would be coming out of his face. He had warts from the top. And none of you look that bad today. Can you say amen? God uses the disfigured. He uses the strange looking. He looks, uses the handsome. He uses, it doesn't matter. So many people say, I can't do it because I'm not, I don't look like Kenneth Copeland. Or I don't look like a TV preacher uh, of some sort. But you don't need to look like that. God uses anybody. Some of the most powerful people I know are not the best looking people that I know. Can you say amen? They've, God's working in their life. He's changing them. He's helping them. Henry Martin was wart covered. And on top of that, he stuttered when he preached. Imagine this, you got this, this guy up there who looks like a monster, amen, and, and he's stuttering as he preaches, and yet God powerfully, powerfully touched his life. So God uses the disfigured as well. George Whitfield, they say, had an enormous head, almost like a horse. And so he had this little body and this huge head, and he, as he was preaching, you know, people would be, oh my goodness, where would he get this guy from? God can use the most disfigured the most uneducated people in the world. Whitfield would many times, he would say, the man that I'm speaking to right now needs to feel the Holy Ghost convicting him. Problem was nobody knew where he was looking because he was cross-eyed. Hallelujah. (laughs) The one that I'm looking at right now, is it me? Is it me? Nobody knew. (laughs) God is able to use what you think is stupid. You think I'm disfigured. I look stupid in front of a, a camera. I never take a good picture. It doesn't matter, friend uneducated, disfigured. It doesn't matter. God has a greater purpose for your life. You've got to understand this because many of you, uh, you're shy because this is your attitude. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three. Premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe. Because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. 
So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Whitfield many times would say this, and he, as he was preaching, and people would go, is it me, is it me? He uses also the ill-born. Alexander White was a powerful preacher in Scotland, and his mother had him out of wedlock. This is the 1700s, friend. This isn't the 1960s or 70s or 80s or 90s. 1700s, totally unacceptable in their society for somebody to be born out of wedlock. And yet this man was powerfully used by God. God's purpose tonight and this morning will, is, will is far beyond your ancestry and your own curses from your own family. Can you say amen? God is able, you know, many times we say that, but so few people actually graduate from, from being this uh, ill-born, uneducated, maybe disfigured. So few people leave that and come over here to proper usefulness. Okay? And that's what I'm trying to do this morning. Is I'd like to see some of you, many of you are already being used, thank God for that. But there are many of those that are still around that still have one talent, maybe a talent and a half, or two talents, and they're not being used by God. Okay? Maybe this sermon isn't for the five talented, but it is certainly for those who consider themselves something less than the rest of you. I hope that God's speaking to some of you about these issues. Jesus' ancestry included a number of different people. Ruth, a Moabitess. Rahab, the harlot. Don't let any secret shame about your family make you feel unfit to answer the call of God upon your life. Matthew chapter 1 verse 5 says, Salmon begat Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begat Obed by Ruth. Who are these people? And how in the world did God Almighty, in, in, in orchestrating all of the ancestry of Jesus Christ, allow a harlot to get in there? How did, you know, think about this. Do you think maybe every word in the Bible is there for a reason? Do you think maybe that these were lessons for you and I that we're supposed to learn? That we're not supposed to let anything in our ancestry destroy the purpose of God for our lives? Here's Jesus, the son of the living God. And he allowed a Moabitess, who was not of the tribe of Israel, he allowed a, a harlot uh, in his ancestry. My great-great-grandmother was a prostitute. Can you imagine Jesus saying that? And that's exactly what he had in his ancestry, was a prostitute in his lineage. Don't let any secret part of your family history try to destroy what God wants to do in your life. Some of you, maybe because of what you've gone through as a child or the things, you know, some of you, even, you know my testimony. Okay, some of you know my testimony, where I came from. I was in the institutions from the age of five until I was 17. They took me out because I was getting too violent. God was able to take all of that and put me where I'm at today. God do the same thing in your life. Okay? So many of you, I know there's a lot of young people here. I see a lot of older faces, hallelujah, uh, with receding hairlines. Glory to God. I knew you when you had a lot of hair. Praise the Lord. In fact, I knew you when you, when you had a lot of hair and you had a lot of teeth. And they were very white back then. Praise the Lord. You know, youth disappears just like that. It's been 20 years since I got saved. 20 years. It just seems like yesterday. But there's a whole other generation coming up behind. And I'm hoping that you're listening to me tonight, this morning. Y'all listening to me. Okay. God has a purpose for your life. I'm sorry. Have I kind of ignored this area over here? Okay. Just, just a second, all right? How are you doing? Praise the Lord. Okay. I'm going to preach over here this morning. God has a purpose for your life far exceeding what you might ask or think. We are unfit if you're unfit, I'm unfit. You know, let me say this to you. The pirates of the Caribbean have nothing on us. Can you say amen? <laughs> look, at the, look at this bunch of misfits this morning. Praise the Lord. From every different background, from every different type of sin, we're all sitting here this morning full of the Holy Ghost on our way to heaven. We, uh, God has mis- taken a bunch of misfits and turned it into the army of God. But some of you are getting left behind in this process. And that, those are the people that I'm trying to have come forward. And I'm going to pray for you after this service. Those of you who are painfully shy, those of you who are holding back the gifts that God has given you because God has given us each gifts. Can you say amen? Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. 
I'll take a drink here. My throat is about shot from preaching all week. You all know this story, but I'll read it to you nonetheless. Because I want to point out a few things to you. Matthew chapter 25, verse number 15. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. Verse number 18. Super shy, listen up. (laughs) But he who had received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you have delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. Let's, let's all give him a clap offering. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. Praise the Lord. Very nice. Very nice. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you have delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more besides the talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Let's give him a little clap offering today. He's, he's quite a fellow as well. Praise the Lord. But we got a problem down here. And it starts in verse number 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him. Did you hear that? Take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to every one who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want you to notice this morning, first of all, this is a red-letter edition Bible. How many people you have a red-letter edition Bible? You know that these are the words of Jesus. How many people know when Jesus speaks up, you ought to really try to listen? You might have tried to understand what he's trying to say. What he's trying to say here is very, very, should be very clear to you that he'll take the one talent that he gave to somebody and give it to the guy who has ten. And maybe that's sometimes why you have some superstars in the church because they keep on being given talent after talent after talent and he's taking them from those who was given one talent and refuses to use it. Think about this for a moment. Do you want to continue to not be used by God? Do you want to continue to sit in the congregation and and let God just use you in in the smallest little things? Or do you want God to use you greater? And the Bible says if you would use the one talent, he would multiply it into two. He might multiply it into five. You may never be a ten-talented person, but you can certainly improve from where you're at right now. You can certainly improve. In fact, all of us can improve. I can improve. Every single one of us this morning can improve. And if you're listening to God's word this morning, you're going to take this as a rebuke this morning and say, You know what, Pastor? I'm going to begin to sort myself out. South Africa, we have a phrase that is common. If you're going to tell somebody how things really are, you go, I'm going to sort you out. So maybe you need to be sorted out this morning. He uses the one talent. Never forget it was the one talented man who was rebuked in the parable. If you are a half talent, some of you are saying, well, pastor, I've got you beat because I wasn't even given a talent. I was given a half talent. 
which I doubt very seriously this morning. <laughs> and uh, I, I want to I warn you very clearly this morning uh, not to ape humility. Because that's what that is. You're acting like you're humble. But in, in all of us, there's a, uh, there's a possession of pride. We have enough self-respect for ourselves. The Bible says nobody hates his own flesh. And so there is an understanding this morning that everybody's been given at least one talent. And some of you say, oh, I don't have any gifts. I've got nothing to give. Uh, I, I, I've got no uh, talent that I need to give to the kingdom of God. But you are just aping humility. Many years ago, uh, we had Pastor Rick Buckles come and preach a revival for us. And he, uh, we took him out to an area where there are wild baboons. And uh, as you drive up there, they're, they're sitting in the road. But, I mean, these baboons are, are big baboons, you know. And they've got their little babies with them and the mamas there. And, and, they're, you, know, and you kind of have to drive up and, and get out of your vehicle and walk amongst these baboons. And one of them, as the, uh, his daughter was getting out of the vehicle, uh, she left the door open and this baboon jumped in my car. <laughs> I mean, these things, they've got teeth bigger than a lion. I mean, they're massive things. And so this thing jumps in my vehicle, and in between our two seats, he knows exactly where to go. He goes directly for the food. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Just like any baboon. And he grabs these marshmallows, this whole bag of marshmallows, jumps out of the vehicle, and gets up on another vehicle and begins to eat these marshmallows. The baby's crying out, feed me, feed me, feed me! And, and, you know, he wouldn't share it all with his, with his or with, I don't know if it was a mom or, or a papa, but wouldn't share it all. Uh, he is an, uh, he's aping, he's, and he's putting on a big show. There's a lot of people like that. They put on a big show that they can't be used by God, and they, and they get people convinced that they have nothing to offer the kingdom of God. But it's simply not true, because Jesus said he gave you a talent. And many of you are not using it today because you ape humility. You, you, know, you put on a big show and get people's attention. That was, that's how the door was left open. Was some, another baboon was making a big show. And so she's watching this. And right behind her comes this other ape. It's exactly how people are sometimes. They ape things that are not true. What can I do for God? A lot. <laughs> I have so little to offer, Pastor. You know what? Little is much. And much is little in the kingdom of God. I told you as I started off this sermon this morning, I talked to you about a donkey. He's a, just a little donkey. It's just a donkey's colt. In fact, it even says it's a, it's a young donkey. Uh, and it was, uh, yes, he comes sitting on a donkey's colt. A very young donkey. God is able to take that which is little and make it something great. Jesus has and will do great things with little ones, talented people. And aping humility is not going to help you get out of your responsibility to God. I've known many people and will know many more that are just like this. Talk to you fourthly this morning that he uses unknown people. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Check. Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15, excuse me. Verse number 21. Then they compelled a certain man, a Simon, a Cyrian, the father of Alexander, and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by, to bear his cross. And they brought him to the place of Golgotha, which is translated place of the skull. Then they gave him his wine mingled with myrrh with drink, but he did not take it. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting for them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the inscription of his accusation was written above King of the Jews. This Cyrene was an unknown man at the time, but he became famous in the word of God. Who knows that God is writing a book right now in heaven with your name in it? Okay? And I would love to see the history of the Chandler Church. 
Because I've known a bit of the history of the Chandler Church, and I've known Stacy when he first got saved, and, and, and many of Richard Romero when he was in Casa Grande, or Coolidge, and, and all of these different people over the years. But you know, God's writing a book about this church right now. Did you know that? He's writing a book about this church. The Bible speaks that, that every single action is recorded in the Word of God. And I think both personally that's effective and also for the works of God. God's got a lot of time, amen. He has eternity. Uh, he's a professional writer, amen, better than anybody in the world. Uh, he's able to keep track of what God's doing through this church. And I mean, I'd love to see the note that your name is going to be included in that book. And I'd love to see some of you uh, this morning to transfer from, from this attitude that everybody else has been given the talents, everybody else has been given all the, all, all the blessing, the education, all that, and God wants to use those people. I would love to see some of the people come out of those ranks and join the rest of the body of believers and quit acting like, well, I'm just so shy, Pastor. I just could never do anything for God. It's simply not true. You are full of nonsense, and you know you're full of nonsense. You tell lies. You know that God's given you some things, and yet you're embarrassed to do it because you don't want to get up in front of people. During my uh, time here, we were at the conference, and my daughter had to sing in front of 500 people. Brutal. I, I was sitting on the platform because I was preaching that night, and I looked over at her, and she's shaking. Woo! And uh, Prudence, uh, the girl, uh, pastor's wife from our church in George, was singing with her, uh, and she's shaking. But yet, they let God use them. Can you say amen? Okay? And yet, there are people who preach, and they let God use them. They're scared. You know, there comes, they asked the one guy, they said, you know, do you ever get comfortable preaching in front of people? And the guy said, absolutely not. Never. Okay? And I know it gets a little bit easier as time goes on and all those things. But I'll tell you, it's intimidating to look at your faces. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I haven't been here. I haven't preached here, you know. And so it's, it's, it's intimidating. I know it doesn't seem like that, but it's true. It's intimidating to, to do that. But you have to do it in order for God to use you. There was going to be a service here this morning, and whether I was here or not, uh, I, it was immaterial, but God wanted to use my life. I was invited. I came, and so I have to push myself as well. Okay? You have to push yourself as well and, and kick yourself out of the comfort zone and do what you're called to do. He uses unknown people and uneducated people and untalented people. Think about this as, a, as I begin to close. He uses unknown people. Who was the farmer who lifted John Wesley a boy of six from a burning building on February 9th, 9, 1709. Can anybody tell me that real quick? I just thought maybe there would be some people here. The man who lifted the six-year-old John Wesley from the building, February 9th, 1709. Anybody at all? Any? You sure? Nobody knows. Neither do I. Hallelujah. <laughs> Can anybody tell me who it was that witnessed to Pastor Mitchell? Hmm. Now we're getting a little bit closer. Anybody tell me that? Do you think maybe that guy has a reward in heaven? Hello, somebody. Who, you know, who are these people? We don't know their names, but God knows their names. Think about this. God uses unknown people. We don't know who that guy is, but every one of you, your salvation has a lot to do with that guy. How does that work? It works because God uses unknown people. Who was that man who re reached, uh, reached into that building? I don't know who it was, but they changed the history of the world. And those, uh, those Methodist churches, when they were on fire, changed the whole known world. There are Wesleyan churches and Methodist churches all over the world. But had that man not played his part, that man would have never lived. Who was the preacher that brought C.H. Spurgeon under conviction in 1850? You know who that man was? I don't know who it was either. <laughs> But I'll tell you this, God used his life. Spurgeon was a powerful preacher. I was in London a few uh, years ago. As we came up the subway, uh, there was his church. You know? There's C.H. Spurgeon's church. Incredible. Okay? What a blessing it is to be used by God. Can you say amen? 
There are people here, uh, as I, when I got saved, uh, I was living in Scottsdale, Arizona, and there was a guy that used to drive through our drive-thru. I was working at a fast food restaurant when I was in high school, and uh, he would always push these flyers in my face. Push these flyers. You know, just, you know why are you so annoying, bro? You know, get a life, would you? You don't have to tell people. I mean, if you're in my restaurant, I'm sitting down, you want to talk to me, fine. But it was always this pushy thing, man. You know, here's a flyer, and invite it out to the door, come to the door. That guy's name was Chris Lloyd. He pastors in San Diego today. He witnessed to me. That was my first contact with the door. Years ago, there was a man named Brett Burleson in the Tempe Church. Some of you might have remembered him. He went on an outreach one day, and he was preaching in uh, Phoenix at a gay rally. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, the newspapers were there, and they took a picture of this guy. And he had the Bible in his hand, but he was kind of buffed, you know, he's kind of you know, thick. And you could see the muscles in his arm, and he had his finger in his Bible like this. And he was preaching, and it said, Brett Burleson from the door in Tempe, preaching at a gay rally in Phoenix. And I showed that to my dad, and I said, Dad, there's real Christians in Phoenix. (laughs) Well, Tempe, close enough. (laughs) And we went to that church, and I went one service and said, I will never come back here until I'm ready to get saved. I came back one year later, and Pastor Foley was there, and he was preaching the gospel, and I gave my life to Jesus. I'll tell you something, your evangelism, your outreaching, it means something somehow, some way. You may not see a lot of fruit, friend. Uh, Brett Burleson isn't even living for God today, sad to say, but he changed my life. And God did use him during that time. And God will use you as well. Who are these people? We don't know. Many of these people have done great things for God and we don't know their names. I could go on and on, but I wanted to cover all of us today. Which group do you belong? The ordinary? The uneducated? The disfigured? Most of you don't look disfigured to me. Hallelujah. You look like pretty handsome folks out there. Uneducated, ordinary, ill-born, untalented, unknown. The same Jesus who used this donkey can make a higher use of you as well. And you're here this morning and God's dealing with many of you about your walk with Christ. You have been living for Jesus for some time and yet you constantly are backing out of opportunities for ministry. You know, I know our fellowship and you will be given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to minister for God. And many of you, you're backing away and you're not taking up these opportunities. And these opportunities were given to you so that you would serve God in your generation. I'm not responsible for the generation that came before me. And I'm not responsible for the generation to come. I'm responsible to serve God to this generation. And there's a great, great need for people to come. Uh, the, the, the second string, if I can call you that. You have a full string here. You've got a, all these talented men and women of God. I've seen some of the pictures from the Chandler Conference. And I, I can remember Ron Myers and all these guys when they, when they were young converts in the church. And God's using all their life. But behind them needs to come another generation. And so I, I want to call that generation to a, t- a place of repentance this morning. I want to ask you to join your brothers and sisters and and begin to help them, begin to support them, and let God develop your talent as well. I'd like you to bow your heads with me for a moment as we close. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.